Lead me to some soul today. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 17 of a series of episodes called Leading Others to Christ. Now, those of you who have been watching, you know that during these episodes, our focus will be on evangelism. And we have many goals and many things we'd like to accomplish, but, but one of them, and the main one, is to, if you will, revive us again, to stir us up to stir us up to, as the scriptures say, to love and good works, but especially to stir us up in the area of, of reaching out to others and leading others to Christ, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, whoever that might be. My name is Dan Barker, and I preach for the Creekside Church of Christ in uh, Franklin, Indiana. For those of you that don't know, Franklin uh, is a town a little less than 30,000 people, but we're about 20 miles south of downtown Indianapolis, Indiana. Those of you that know me know that I'm passionate about leading others to Christ. I have been ever since I obeyed the gospel when, when I was taught in Owensboro, Kentucky, when I was 21 years old. And ever since then, I've always been motivated to try to teach others, to, to use some Bible phrases, to, to teach others, to sow the seed, to be a fisher of men, to make disciples and to teach others to, to teach. And I've been using this verse, and I'll probably continue to use it to remind us of what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men and women, of course, who will be able to teach others also. Uh, so I came up with this idea to identify the Christians that are out there, wherever they might be, men and women, those fellow workers, who are trying to do this, who are reaching and leading others to Christ. And then once we've identified them, to interview them, and we want to learn more about them, we want to know who they are, uh, where they are, why they're motivated to do the work that they are, and where they're currently working, and all those type things. So, and, and quite frankly, the response to this has been really encouraging. We've got people from all over the place that are coming in to listen to these episodes and uh, by the way if you're listening and you like what you see here would you please uh, like it and share it with your friends so that we can continue to get the word out today we're really excited to have with us somebody that we're going to learn a lot from and i would encourage you to get your pen and paper out as i always do but with us today is mark copeland welcome mark thank you Diana. yeah, yeah so good to be with you Good. Yeah, good to see you again. Um, now, Mark uh, is from Kissimmee, Florida, and he works with the uh, Fortune Road Church of Christ there. And some of you, you may not have met him personally, or but you, you might know him uh, as the editor of the website Executable Outlines, uh, which is an outstanding resource site for, uh, for all of us. And uh, we're going to talk more about that uh, toward the end of the interview. But welcome again, Mark. We're so happy to have you with us. Uh, what I'd like to do, as we've done with all the other episodes, is, uh, is kind of start out with, uh, and before I forget, be sure and tell Bonnie I said hi, okay, because <laughs> I, know, I know Mark's wife from a long time ago. But uh, give us, uh, let's just do that right now. When, do you, when did we, you think we first met? You remember when we, I mean, I'm not talking about a time or a day, but when would, when would I have met Mark Copeland? Well, I've been at Florida College when I was a student, and you were coaching the basketball team there. Yeah, that's what that's what I, I know too, and Bonnie as well. So, brings back a lot of memories. Uh, 
Give us a quick bio of uh, Mark Copeland, uh, where you were born and where you've been, and, and uh, kind of bring everybody up to speed, Mark, if you would. Well, I was born in 1951 in Oakland, California, at the Naval Base. My dad was in the Navy. He served as a medic for 20 years, beginning in World War II. And growing up, mostly my first 12 years in California, different Navy bases, there was a year and a half during that time, when I was about 10, we lived in Taiwan. And that was very important to me because at that age, at 10, I was rather impressed with the faithfulness of my parents. Uh, there wasn't a church at the time that he was transferred there. Uh, they started the congregation in their home and uh, with one other family. And uh, on Sunday afternoons, my dad would uh, try to do some street preaching with the aid of a translator, uh, translating in Chinese. And uh, just the example of their commitment, their faith, made me realize what they believed must be very important. And it certainly made me more receptible, I believe, as I continued to grow up. After he retired from the Navy, we moved to Oregon, began worshiping with the congregation of Beaverton, Oregon. And that's where I, at the age of 13, responded to the gospel in 1964. I had the opportunity to preach my first sermon at the age of 16 in 1967. I have vivid memories of that day. I had five uh, three by five cards. And while I was trying to preach, I dropped them, got them all mixed up. <laughs> completed <laughs> uh, the lesson with great encouragement from the brethren. They were very patient, very encouraging. So I went to Florida College in 1969 to 1971, majored in education and Bible. After graduating in 71, and uh, I had the opportunity to work with Brother Almond Williams at the yes. in Tampa. He was my Greek teacher at college. And for six months, the congregation there at Castle Heights invited me to spend my full time doing personal work. And so I did that, but then in 74 to 75, I had the opportunity to work with Al Craig in Salem, Oregon. Al Craig had been the preacher at Hillsborough who'd baptized me 10 years before. Wow. And they were just starting a program uh, of preacher training, and I was their guinea pig. Okay. Well, one of the things, they really weren't sure what they wanted me to do, but one of the things they asked me to do was to outline all the chapters of the New Testament. Well, in the year of time that I was there, I didn't quite finish every one, but enough that it really benefited me in my study of the scriptures. And I think had a lot to deal with the fact that I, I don't write in prose anymore. I write in outline. <laughs> and later, for sermon outline, Bible study materials. In fact, let me say that by my Bible study material that you see on my website has been greatly influenced by that preacher, James Rory, because he produced all of his material. I was kind of like his Timothy. I would help him with a mimeograph, you know, preparing the, the material. Wow. He even used me to review uh, the adult class. This was when I was in high school. But I'm talking about men who greatly influenced me, like yes. Al Craig, uh, James Rory, uh, Almond Williams. But in 79, I began preaching for the church at Palm Springs Drive in Altamont Springs. I followed Brother James Needham there when he had been there for nine years before me. So I was there for about five years. In 84, I moved over to Beverly Shores in Leesburg and preached for them for five years. Then in 89, I came to work with Robert Parkrider at South Bumby in Orlando. Uh, they had asked me there to devote most of my time following up contact that Bob was making with the TV program that he had called Let the Bible Speak that was there three times a week. And we were getting a lot of contact, people interested in home uh, Bible studies. And so I had the pleasure of being a personal worker, if you will, for five years, mostly. But then in 93, began to help out with the congregation of Fortune Road, 95 moved down to Fortune Road. And so 
For the last 27 years, I've been blessed to serve as the evangelist at Fortune Road, the last four of those years, and also as one of their elders. Wow. Yeah, that's like, uh, yeah, that's great. I'm really glad you did that because that might change my whole interview here because you brought up so many things there that are so important uh, in our lives. Number one, your parent, let's just do a quick review. Your, your parents were Christians, right? And so you were, you were raised, and we sometimes say, in the church. And so you were exposed to things from, uh, from a youth up. And then when you moved to Taiwan and, and watching your, and your dad was not a preacher, was he? The way, so, but he was, he was motivated to go out and try to te- even get a translator to go out on the street and try to teach people. And you were with him observing that, right? No, I wasn't with him. I was, you wasn't? Right. No, but you out. knew what, you knew what he was doing. That is correct. Uh, and, and just that influence is, uh, is huge. And, um, uh, and to, to be exposed to that, just think, Mark, of the different ones that were never exposed to, any, never have been exposed to anything like that. And then the uh, one, that's one of my questions later on is, uh, have you had a Barnabas in your life, uh, somebody that's been a mentor and encourager, and it sounds like you had several, James Rury and Al Craig and Almon Williams. Robert Harkrider. Yeah, and, and, yeah, uh, yeah Harkrider. And, uh, and I, I think sometimes uh, either we have had people in our lives like that and didn't appreciate them or didn't recognize them. Or perhaps there's people out there that haven't had uh, a mentor, haven't had somebody to, to reach down and lift them up. You know, th- that's why the work of a congregation is so important to take a, uh, a young 16 year old and let them give them the experience to get up there and do a lesson and not embarrass them because they dropped their cards on the, on the floor or whatever. Because uh, that's how we grow. If I may throw in also that I was blessed, my wife, Bonnie, her father was Steve Hudgens, who preached for 50 years in the Ocala, Florida area, many of which, uh, you know, when I started dating her at that time, and of course we got married, and he preached into his 90s. And so here's another man who, by example, as well as word, and, uh, was very influential. In fact, on my website, I have a page devoted to chart sermons that he hand-painted over the course of his life, about 300 of them. He actually hand-painted about 5,000 chart sermons because he would send many of them to uh, preachers in the Philippines and India, uh, Africa. And so, again, yes, I was very blessed to have a number of Barnabases, if you will. You know, even, yes, and I've seen uh, 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 Steve's work there on on your site. And uh, just think about that. How many of our young people would go, what's a hand-painted sign? What, you know, right? What, uh, like a, the old uh, bed sheet uh, mm-hmm. servant, right? The, the, uh, what was that? For the listeners that don't know, what was, a, what was that? It was a large chart that they would have a stand to put up on, and it was hand-painted with the scriptures and stuff like that. Now, actually, I've heard preachers today go to that webpage, take some of those photos that his other daughter had taken, and then insert it into a PowerPoint slide. And there you go. Instead of using the sheet, they use the PowerPoint slide, but the same sermon. Wow, that's just, that's just good. So again, we've got so many tools out here. Of course, we've got God's Word. That's the main tool. That's our, that's our sword. But all the things that, that's what we're trying to stir up too, all the things that, that people like you have done and, and, and your father-in-law and all, all the others 
of uh, say, look, people say, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do it. And I don't even know where to turn. The resources are there, but we just need to, the ones that are willing, we need to help point them in the right place. So it's kind of, it's kind of a redundant question maybe, but why is Mark Copeland so motivated? What's your why? Why, why are you so motivated to do what you do every day? Well, I have a sermon called uh, Motivation for Evangelism. Uh, because I, when I try to teach personal evangelism, the first two things I want to stress is proper motivation and secondly, proper perspective. And again, on my website, I have sermon outlines and also PowerPoint that uh, I think address both of those topics. Because I think it was Dennis Waitley, you know, he was a motivational speaker. He said that motivation is the steam that drives the engine. When you're properly motivated, uh, you're able to do a whole lot more than when you're not. And it also kind of forces you to get out and do something. And so as I saw what motivated Christ, you know, we're, we're told what motivated him. He was moved by compassion. He was moved by love of the Father. Other points that could be made. But with proper motivation, I think we get to a point where we just can't sit and do nothing. We may not be able to do much, but we will do what we can if we're properly motivated. And then also having a proper perspective about the work of evangelism. Because a lot of people start out trying to do personal work. They may have some failures. That is, people don't obey the gospel, and they consider themselves failures. But a proper perspective, one of several that I point out, is that every time you sow the seed, you have succeeded 100%. You've done what God has asked you to do. Another way I like to express it is that sowing the seed is like eating cake. Now, when they respond to the gospel, that's icing on the cake. Yes. But I like cake without icing. So I get great joy and satisfaction just knowing that I am serving my Lord and Savior sowing the seed, as he calls upon us to do, preach the gospel to every creature in whatever way, and then respond to the gospel. Of course, we pray for and we hope for and we're delighted when it happened. But that, uh, even if we sow the gospel a hundred times and not a single person has obeyed the gospel, we have succeeded 100% doing what the Lord has asked us to do. And so a proper perspective about such things, the powers in the word, for example, not in a person, the powers in the word of God. And so as long as we're presenting the word of God, it will have the effect, whether to save or to condemn, that it's designed to have. So perspective is very important. Motivation and perspective. Yeah, you know, and what you, so many good things there. But I've seen that happen so many times where, where people uh, try to motivate them to teach others. And then they, somebody says something negative to them, they get discouraged and say, oh, well, this won't work. And, and they quit and, this, and to try to get them back up again. But I've often said, uh, and we don't know this, but of the people that Jesus taught, how many of them, uh, how many of them uh, rejected him? <laughs> you know, and uh, it didn't stop him. I mean, he kept going. I mean, all the way to the cross. So, uh, yeah, it, the the pro the proper perspective, as you say, is a is a vital vital part of of this. So that that's that's really good. I say that all the time. It's real. That's really good because I hear so many good things. Tell, us, tell everybody a little bit about uh, Fortune Road. Uh, how big is the group and, and, uh, and exactly where is Kissimmee for people who don't know? What, so tell us about Fortune Road. Okay. Well, Kissimmee, the town of just south of Orlando, where you actually are the gateway to Disney World, which yes. is a wonderful blessing about preaching at Fortune Road in Kissimmee because before the COVID-19 crisis, we would have on any given Sunday, you know, a number of visitors who while they're in the Orlando area, visiting parks, 
they might come by and worship with us. And we've had people from around the world. And a special delight to me is when they come, they want to say hi, and they basically because they've been using my web, yeah. website. Yeah. They'd like the face behind the, you know. But um, the Congregation of Fortune Road uh, got started when three families joined together to start a congregation in Kissimmee. And they grew to the point where they were meeting in like a rented facility. And then they finally got to where they could buy some property and build a home. And, and um, the congregation, when I first came here at the time, it was about 35 in number. Uh, over the years that I've been here, typical of the Florida area, where you know a lot of people moving in, moving out, you convert right. them, they move away, others come in. Um, we've had cycles of growth and decline. Yes. Uh, when we were at the peak of us, one of our growth cycles, we had up to about, on an average Sunday morning, we might have 140 in attendance. Okay. Uh, but maybe only 100 of those were actually members of the congregation. Wow. Right now, because of the fact that we've had several families, including five members in the family, move away, uh, we've had children graduate or go away to college and relocate somewhere else. Right now, we might have 100 uh, present on a normal Sunday morning, but maybe only about 60 of those are actually members of the congregation. Uh, so, like I say, we've gone through that cycle a couple of times, having been here, you know, 27 years. It's uh, something I've observed not only here, but of course in other congregations as well. But Fortune Road, oh, let me emphasize this, Fortune Road is truly blessed because we are multicultural, multi-ethnic. Uh, about one-third of the congregation is Anglo, white, one-third is African-American, one-third is Hispanic. And uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to let people see how the gospel of Christ makes us all one in Jesus. Mark, that's one of the things that we've been recognizing and knew it anyway, but, you know, we've done interviews with, uh, we've, uh, in Brooklyn, New York, uh, with uh, Caleb Churchill up there and and uh, and uh, but we've we've gone all over the country and uh, not not yet but I mean we've been to Florida we've been to Georgia we've been to North and South Carolina but every place as you well know uh, the culture is different the the makeup of the people is different and uh, in some places there's no mix at all and 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 so I think just even the dynamics of a congregation there like you say of the the third 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 that would be so unusual for, uh, for some of our brethren to go to and work with a group like that. And uh, so, but we need to recognize that we've got, the, our country has changed so much. There's so many people around us that are looking, you know, and uh, it's like up here where we are, there's a great big group of uh, people from Burma, uh, the Burmese. I mean, it's a whole bunch of them, right? And, uh, and that's just in, in the Hispanics and, uh, you know, they're just, and, it, and it, so as a congregation, to be able to uh, be aware of that and say, well, we need to learn how and get equipped to reach out to those folks, too. But no, the dynamic, and I think that's one of the problems, not to be negative, but it's a reality. In a lot of the congregations, if they're not involved in evangelism, they're going to have people move for jobs. They're going to have people die. They're going to have people that fall away, unfortunately. But if they're not continuing to teach, that's why they're going to dwindle down to 30, 20, 10, and then close their doors, right? So, and some people, I'm afraid, in some places never were, if they weren't taught this, they didn't apply it. Because, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of congregations that are just, they're, continue, they're just dying. Don't you agree? I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, get me rambled going on that. But, uh, all right, 
relationship evangelism. We've kind of touched on it a little bit, but you have a series of sermons you did on that too. Why is relationships so important in teaching, leading somebody to Christ? Well, it's certainly one form of evangelism that I think can be useful because if relationship evangelism, the whole concept is thinking of a relationship as a bridge, a bridge for the Word of God. Yes. Oftentimes people are more receptive to what you have to share once they get to know you as a person. They see how Christ has affected your life. So while there's certainly other, many other ways to evangelize, uh, that was one that certainly appealed to me, the idea of trying to develop relationships with people, neighbors, coworkers, so on. And that relationship, again, be an avenue whereby you'd have an opportunity to spread the gospel. Jesus, I guess you could say, developed a relationship with the publicans and the sinners. Yes, yeah. Not that he engaged in their evil behavior, but he would at least associate with them to the degree that he could call upon them to believe and repent. Yeah. They yeah. were very receptive. Yeah, I think it's a it's an, a critical part of the whole process. But so let's uh remember we were talking about maybe you could think or share of a of one conversion story that, that you were involved in or that you know about that you would like to share with us? Somebody that you studied with and obeyed the gospel. Is there anyone that in particular that comes to mind? Well, I wanted to share, if you will, an experience I had when I was at Palm Springs Drive. And that is where we had some people visiting who had been invited, some women who had been coming, who had been invited by some of the sisters in the congregation. And after I had made the acquaintance with them, I simply took Gene Tope Know Your Bible Correspondence Course, the first lesson. Okay. The first lesson is on understanding the Bible. And each one, one by one, I would simply, like on a Sunday night when they were there, I would say something like, would you like to know more about the Bible? Of course, nearly everybody will say, well, yes. Well, here's a lesson that gives you a good overview of the Bible. And you'll notice it's part of a correspondence course. I'd like to invite you to take it home, work your way through it. If you'd like for me to grade it, bring it back, and I'll give you the next lesson. Well, I did that with three ladies at the time. One of the ladies, after the third lesson, the first lesson is understanding the Bible. The second one is on sin and the blood of Christ. Very important to understand what sin is and the need for the blood of Christ. Third lesson is what must I do to be saved? Goes over the Great Commission, the examples of conversion. Well, one lady, one of those three ladies, at the end of the third lesson, she calls up her friend who was a sister in Christ, saying, I need to be baptized. I realize I need to be baptized. So she was baptized after the third lesson. The other two ladies completed the course. The fourth lesson is on the New Testament church, the fifth on denominationalism, the sixth is on baptism, you know, doth also now save us. And what I love about this particular correspondence course is at the end of the sixth lesson, the people are given the opportunity to say whether they would like assistance in being baptized. But when they bring that sixth lesson back to me to be graded, you know, that's the first thing I'd look at is how they answered that question. Sure, sure. In both cases, they had marked yes. And so I went back to them and I see you expressed a desire. This particular series I've used not only in that way, but as a correspondence course. I've also used it as a basis for a home Bible class where we go through it. And one thing I like about this course is the nature of the subjects are such that when people have responded to the gospel, they're more likely to remain faithful than others that have had the experience converting because of, or through some other means. Because if they go through this course, they've learned about, you know, the nature of sin. They've learned about the, uh, you know, the nature of the church. They've understood how we should simply be Christians, not members of a denomination. And so they seem to remain more firm. But that's one experience that I had uh, with those three ladies at, at Altamont Spring. All right. Well, that's a, that's a great story. So 
Yeah, it's, uh, we don't have time, but the tools. Uh, today, or, you know, if you had a chance to study with somebody today, do you have your own study that you do, or do you still use Gene's material, or uh, does it depend? Does yeah. it depend? Well, it does depend. I mean, if they're, willing, if they're interested in having a study, and I try to encourage them. I grew up back in Oregon being told, be class conscious. Always try to set up a class in a home with someone. And so I appreciate that advice. But if they only give me one lesson or one time, then of course I have several one lesson approaches depending upon whether they are religious, whether they're non-religious. Uh, one lesson approach to try to present to them the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. that leads you, what must I do to be saved? And uh, that often, you know, uh, had led to conversions right after one lesson. All right. Um, reason I'm taking a deep breath. I want to talk longer. But uh, let's, let's go. Uh, let's talk about, we introduced the uh, executable outlines at the beginning. Uh, let's, let's do that real quick, and then we have to close out with the one thing. But um, uh, what is your, obviously, it, it's executableoutlines.com, right? Yeah. Execute, yes. Executableoutline.com. Right. .com. And I, I kind of glanced at it again this one. I don't know how many times, but thank you again for all the resources. It's helped me tremendously over the years. But, it's, but it says on there, and I love that map that you've got, the contact uh, cluster maps, I guess it's called. And, uh, and somebody from every country in the world has been to your website. And that's just amazing to me. And so I was thinking, how many countries are there? I had my wife looking up a while ago. And uh, there's, 100, look, uh, there's 195 countries out there. And uh, so that's amazing that that, work that you've put into that that has touched people in so many places so so it was that your was that your motivation in starting that back in the day well i actually started distributing the uh, outline through um, a floppy disk back before the internet became available and i got to the point where i was sending out 300 floppy disks a month wow <laughs> the congregation at uh, south mumby was helping me you know with that expense but when the internet became available i saw the potential there put up a website people could just download the material not have to mail it to them yes but uh, i look at that effort and also one that i'm engaged in now the every door direct mail as a way if you will of sowing the seed one of my principles from uh for, for evangelism remembering what jesus says one sows and another reaps and yes. there have been times when i've been blessed to reap where others have sown but i look at the website and i look at the every door direct mail you might say it's simply sowing the seed. I may never see a single result of it myself, but hopefully by sowing the seed. In fact, I've gotten people talk about how they've used my outline with some degree of success. And I think they're doing a better job with my outline than I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful for that. Well, you know, I started to say this a while ago. Everybody needs to learn this lesson of the joy in the sowing. Mm-hmm. And if we could do that, it's God that's going to give the increase. So let's just get the, the, to develop that joy and the, the, the opportunity that we had to sow the seed and not think it's, you know, the burden is so much on uh, each one of us, but, but we can all learn how to sow the seed. Uh, so keep up the good work there on the executable outlines. I don't want to see that source go away. I, I, I use it every day still. All right. One thing, somebody says, I've watched that and I got, you know, just listening to Mark, I'm motivated. I want to learn how to do evangelism. And, and they say, Mark, what's one thing that I need to do or one thing that I need to learn how to do to get involved in leading others to Christ? What would you say? The one thing that has greatly influenced me is the habit that I started when I became a Christian at age 13. 
reading through the Bible every year. Now, actually, I read through the New Testament several years until I got out of college. Then I started reading through the entire Bible every year. Today, I finished Jeremiah. <laughs> and, and I'm constantly reminded, Jeremiah was someone who preached to a lot of people and they didn't listen to him. But he says, your word was, you know, like a fire in my heart. The word of God has the power, I think, to transform our hearts, our minds, our souls, to be of whatever service we can be. And so the number one thing is, is for your spiritual salvation, for your spiritual growth, for however you serve the Lord, whether it's in evangelism or edification, let the Word of God be your direct guide and motivation. Get into the habit of spending time each day reading from the Word of God and praying about it. Good. All right, good. Well, Mark, this has been special. Great to see you again after all these years. And uh, you've been a Barnabas to me. How about that? Well, you're very kind, Dan. Uh, and, and Bonnie sends her love and regards and, you know, she said to be sure to tell you hello. You know. <laughs> well, good. Hello, Bonnie. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And, and Mark, we hope that you will share this uh, with, your, uh, with your friends and, and contacts as well and everybody else that's watching. And, and we want to all try to keep trying to stir each other up to lead others to Christ. So thanks, everyone. And thank you again, Mark. Well, thank you, Dan. And I'll put a link to Leading Others to Christ on my executable links page. So hopefully that will drive more people to your website. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing that. So, all right. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you soon. Melt my heart and fill my life. Give me one soul today.